Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All righty, I want to welcome everybody to New Hope Church, everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Ivan campus, our Webster campus, and everybody who might be joining us online. Uh, let, me, let me add my awe to all the babies uh, that were dedicated, have been dedicated this weekend. Uh, 50, almost 60 babies this weekend across campuses being dedicated. Isn't that awesome that we have a church? I, I, you know, not, not, to, not to stay here too long, but I, I have heard of churches that don't even have nurseries because there's no babies that go in the nursery. And now, and now thanks to you all, we may have to add on to our nursery. So I'm uh, just saying, but uh, awesome to be a part of a church family that continues to grow and, you know, the younger folks coming up, just awesome. Secondly, I would like to add my voice to the chorus of praise for our veterans. Without you, we could not even be doing what we're doing right now. So our gratitude, our highest honor goes to you. Thank you. So if you are brand new with us in church today, like you showed up because somebody that you know is dedicating a baby or it's a family member or something, and this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome uh, to a very imperfect church, but, but uh, we have a perfect Savior, and his name is Jesus, and we hope that you know him. And, and, uh, or, or if you just came on your own today, if you just kind of stumbled in here because you heard there were free donuts, welcome. Welcome to our free donuts. Uh, uh, on a limited basis until we run out, but we're glad that you're here, even if it is for something like that. Um, I, I will say this up front, and I just want to, I kind of want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf here so that everybody can reach them. Um, what we do at this church is we go by the Bible. We just go by the Bible. And so we may not, we may not follow where the, the winds are blowing of this culture today. We may not follow the, the latest trends. We may not uh, talk about what the, the media is fixated on this week. We don't, uh, we don't go the way the political winds are blowing. We don't uh, just talk about what we might be feeling. That's because feelings lie, and we don't want lies at this church. We want the truth because it's only the truth that will set us free. So that's where we need to start. And that's why this series that we begin today is called Q&A, not my feelings about today's tough questions or, or what culture says about today's toughest questions, but biblical, biblical answers to today's toughest questions that I have Throughout the years, I've seen a number of TV shows where they will have a pastor and they'll have a church setting and maybe something happens in the community and it really rattles everybody, but the pastor is focused on one person and that person teaches him some kind of a lesson. And you've seen shows like this, I'm sure, in the past where it all comes down. The storyline all meets at the church at the end of the show and the pastor gets up to preach his sermon. He's gonna, he just kind of sets aside his notes and his, I don't even know if he has a Bible, but he puts it aside and... And then he says, you know, this week I was taught a very valuable lesson by, uh, by whoever, stranger, by a little girl whose act of courage or uh, unselfishness or kindness touched my soul in the deepest way. And I think we should all be more like him or her or whatever. Uh, camera zooms in on that particular person. Uh, then it pans to the crowd who's shaking their tearful heads and, and, uh, and the TV audience gets a warm fuzzy. Now, um, here's why I'm telling you this. Uh, we don't roll that way. Here's how we roll as a church, right here. Here's how we roll. And, and the, reason I, 
The reason I'm saying this up front today is because what God says here doesn't always produce warm fuzzies here. If you think it does, you haven't been reading your Bible. Um, it doesn't always produce warm fuzzies. And if you're just looking for warm fuzzies that aren't based on truth, that aren't based on reality, probably a better bet to go here. That's probably your best bet right there. <laughs> if you're keeping track, that's joke number one about Hallmark this year for this Christmas season. And they'll, they'll continue to rain down upon you. But anyway, um, if you want truth that may not produce warm fuzzies, that might be contrary to what you're feeling, that might not be politically correct, but truth that will help you to live the way that God wants you to live, then, uh, then join us, not here, but here. Join us here in the Bible. And the question that we're gonna talk about today, if you don't know, by the way, if you just showed up, we ask our church family to submit questions, and boy, did they, did they, did you? submit questions. And so we had a number of questions to choose from. And, and uh, the, the one that we're going to talk about today that was submitted by somebody in the church doesn't have a, a simple, seemingly easy or satisfying answer. It's, uh, it's a question that's been asked for a long time, thousands of years. Job asked it once upon a time. And as he was suffering back in the Old Testament, he lost everything. And and when he asked this tough question to God, God didn't answer it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. God did not answer it, but instead told Job that his perspective was too limited. Um, David asked this question multiple times, and we see that in the book of Psalms. Uh, Elijah asked, and I'm sure there are others who asked the same question. But uh, the question that was asked by somebody in our church is this. They say, I have a question that I've been having a hard time trying to understand if we're all God's children and he wants the best for us and he has the power, he has the power to stop suffering, why does he let bad things happen to young children? Please don't be upset with the question. It's really testing my faith. Thank you for your time. Now, whoever wrote this, I, I am not upset that you asked this, neither is God upset that you might be wondering these things. Um, this is a... <clears throat> this is a question that we, we need to wrestle with this question. And I say that today because this question has been asked many, many times, as I said, for thousands of years, but people are still asking. Even if you did not submit the question, I'm sure that kind of some of the, the uh, questions have gone through your mind that would match up with this particular question. Somebody in our church wrote and, and asked me, and, and uh, the question takes many forms. It might look like this. Why do bad things happen to good people, innocent people, children? Why do good people sometimes suffer more than bad people suffer? Why does God allow suffering in the first place? Uh, why doesn't God stop evil in this world? These are all related. If God is all powerful, why doesn't he stop evil and, and suffering? If God is all powerful and chooses not to stop evil, why do we call him loving? Surely he's not a loving God if he could, but he doesn't stop evil, stop suffering. And here's kind of where it gets really, really personal. Why did God let my loved one die? Which is another way of asking this question that gets asked all the time. Why didn't God answer my prayer? And I think it's important that we talk about this today, about this question today, um, because this is where many people start to lose faith. As the writer of this question, who's in our church family, though I don't know who it is, 
But as they said, it's testing my faith. It's testing my faith. Author and unbeliever Sam Harris once wrote this. Either God can do nothing, remember he's an unbeliever, okay? Either God can do nothing to stop catastrophes or he doesn't care or he doesn't exist. So either God is impotent, he's evil or imaginary, take your pick and choose wisely. Now that's harsh, but the reason I even put it on the screen today is because that is the sentiment of many people who don't believe and people who have walked away from the Christian faith. And the thinking goes like this, if God is all powerful, he could stop suffering. If he's, if he's really loving, he would stop suffering, but he doesn't. So he's either not all powerful or he's not loving or he's just not there at all. Ted Turner, the founder of CNN and outspoken critic of Christianity, so much so that one time he called Christianity the religion of losers. Now he has softened his tone a little bit in recent years, so I'll, I'll grant him that, but um, you gotta ask, what in the world turned that guy against Christianity? Because once upon a time, you could find Ted Turner in church, singing the songs, praying the prayers, you could find him in church, but no longer. So you ask the question, what happened? And he, and he has said it out loud. He said it was watching his young sister suffer and die. She was sick for years. He said, I prayed every day for an hour that God would heal her. And he didn't listen. She died. And that was the beginning of his walking away from his faith. Think about Charles Darwin, the father of the theory of evolution. For him, it was the death of his young daughter, Annie. In fact, if you were to go door to door in your neighborhood and find people who have walked away from the faith or people who just don't believe and you were to ask them, why don't you believe or why don't you believe anymore? Probably one of their top three answers is gonna be the one that we're talking about today. And the answer back to you, if you said, why don't you believe or why did you walk away from the faith? The answer that would come back to you would be an answer in the form of a question. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't he listen? Why didn't he stop the suffering? Why didn't he stop the evil? Why didn't, why didn't God intervene? We begged God, but God was a, a no-show. And uh, there might be someone else with us in church today who's faith is shaking beneath the load of doubt and suffering while your prayers seemingly go unanswered. And for you and for all of us who encounter people that are feeling these same things, this, my friends, is an important sermon that I am woefully unqualified to preach. But I will tell you this, I thank God for the opportunity. I thank God for the opportunity. I thank that person who sent in this question. I thank them for sending the question because this is something that we need to get in the scripture and we need to wrestle with. Because I love you guys and I want all of us to have some answers to tough questions just like this. So what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna give you five truths from God's word, five truths that not independently of each other, but when you put them all together might help us on this particular subject today. The first thing that I wanna show you is this. The world was perfect in the beginning. It was perfect in the beginning. God created a perfect world, absolutely 100% perfect. Everything was exactly as how God wanted it. And 
the creation came into being with his words and everything was in harmony, everything was in order. And as he created, he ended each phase or each day of creation with a pronouncement or with an evaluation of how he was doing. And uh, we find it seven, seven times in chapter one of the book of Genesis. And it goes like this, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. That's what he was, that's his evaluation of how things were going. There's, I said, there's seven, there's six right here that say it that way on the final one. In verse 31, he adds a modifier and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Meaning everything was just as God wanted it to be. There was no suffering. There was no evil. There was no murder. There was no crime. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no tears. It was, it was all good which begs the question, how, do we, how did we get from here to where we are right now to any time that we turn on the TV, we are inundated with sickness and death and constant reports of evil and destruction. How do we get from there to where we are now? One word, sin, sin. If you take a note, sin, Mess up everything, absolutely 100%. Things were perfect in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, the world was exactly as God wanted it, but then it was messed up when Adam and Eve chose to go their own way and disobey God. And we'll talk another time about who sinned first. <laughs> we refer to that moment as the fall. And uh, fall we did, all misery, all suffering, all sickness, all death, all evil can be traced back to that moment in the garden when mankind messed up God's creation by choosing to go their own way instead of going God's way. And it's only gotten, only gotten worse since. Mass murder, genocide, abuse, human trafficking, the list is long and horrific when talking about the evil that has been unleashed on this world, this once perfect world by sin. And here's where some would make the argument, okay then, uh, God must not be all powerful because he could stop it. If he, could, if he was all powerful or if he was loving and all powerful, he would just stop the evil. Why doesn't God stop the evil? Well, let's go there. If you're taking notes, Number three, God gave us free will. God gave us free will. God made the decision to give mankind free will. We get to choose what we do. We're not robots who can only do the one thing that God wants us to do. Uh, we, have, we have a choice each and every day. Um, we, we still have a say in our behavior every single moment of every single day. And not so surprisingly, all people, all people would include who? Include you? Include you? Okay, include me too. All people, all people use the freedom that we have to sin. All of us do it. Hopefully, as Christ followers, less and less and less, as we talked about last week. But uh, everybody sins. Everybody uses their freedom to sin, and some do so in spectacular ways with great harm to themselves and to others. And maybe you're thinking, well, then why doesn't God stop it? Why does it God stop it? I, I was struggling this past week with how to, how to explain this because I think that one of the things that God has called me to do in my life is to take what might be semi-complicated and to boil it down and to give people, you know, 
uh, answers that they can hang on to and things that they can remember. So I was struggling. How can I, how can I help people to so, sort of see this? And, the, and it's not always a good thing when I struggle because I don't know if you know this, but people are waiting on me. While I'm writing, people are waiting on me. So I got the people that make the listening guides that are online, available online. Um, uh, they're waiting on me to get done so they can produce the listening guides. Uh, there are people who produce the discussion guides that go with the listening guide. So our discussion guides can be used by our life groups and they have questions based on the lesson, but they can't write the questions and they don't know what the lesson's gonna be. And so they're waiting on me. New Hope students, pastors are waiting on me too. I don't know if you know this, but our middle school, junior high, senior high, at all of our campuses are getting the same content that we're talking about in the big room. You talk about our kids going deep. Isn't that awesome that our kids go deep? It's not just all fun and games. Hey, let's throw some things at each other and sing a song about Jesus before we close. No, they, isn't that cool that they're learning? But, uh, but they're waiting on me. They're waiting on me. It's like Thursday morning and I've got to preach Thursday night and all the pastors are like, hey, 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 you got anything for us, man? Please let us know as soon as possible. And um, so everybody's waiting. It's a, it was a struggle, but the, the, struggle is, the struggle is good. And, and I say that because God, I think, made me. I don't know how he made you, but he made me so that I study and study and I, I take everything in, I go through the scriptures, I look up the ancient meaning of words and, and I, I go deep and I listen to other pastors try to explain it. I read commentaries and I, here, I'll just show you. I get all this stuff. <laughs> you guys know what that is? My brain, yeah, that's my brain. And uh, I put all this stuff in my brain and I sleep on it. I, pray about it and then and then then I then I'm able to communicate it but this process takes a while so if you're wondering how we arrived at what I'm about to show you it's right here it's uh that's not that's actual size is much much bigger but um anyway so so why doesn't our all-loving all-powerful God just push the button surely you can push the button God and just stop Evil. Surely he could just push the button and stop the consequences of the fall that we've been living with ever since the Garden of Eden, which would include sickness and, and suffering and, and death. Now, as stated, God has given us free will, and if you were to put it on a graph, it might look something like this. Freedom on one side, and then no freedom all the way over here. Guess where you are? Guess where you are? You're right here. You're right here. You, my friends, have freedom. God has given you the freedom to choose. You can get up in the morning and decide what it is that you will do, and hopefully you'll decide to follow what God is leading you to do, as again, we talked about in the last series. But having this freedom also means that you can make a different choice. You could choose to sin. You could get up at the beginning of the day and just go, I'm going to sin today. I'm going to do whatever I want to do today. And uh, you could literally open your Bible to Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are listed. You could just write them down in order and then go, I'm going to break every one today. I'm going to start at the top and just every single command I'm going to break. And that's just, I'm, I'm not making a suggestion that you do that. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? And that's not what God wants us to do with our freedom. In fact, God encourages us not to use our freedom to indulge in the flesh, that is to sin, rather to serve one another humbly in love. And right there in this verse, you can see both sides of this coin of freedom. You can use your freedom uh, to hurt others, to sin, and thereby hurt others or 
hurt yourself, or you can choose to serve others humbly in love. That's the choice that you get to make. So follow me here now. If God wanted to take away our ability to choose to sin, like we're here and we can choose to sin. If he wants to take away our freedom to be able to choose to sin, he has to move us over here, which would take away all of our choices. It would take away our ability to choose to serve one another humbly in love. And if he does that, he, he's a dictator. And I don't know what you think of God, but I'm gonna tell you right now in church, and I'm not lying, God is not a dictator. God is not a tyrant. He's our loving heavenly father, which is a great analogy, by the way. If a father says, you know what, my kids, if I give them too much freedom, they're gonna get hurt. They're gonna, you know, so, so no more freedom for you. You know, you, you, can't, you can't ride a bike because you might fall off and get some kind of an injury or that skateboard, give me that skateboard. I got no, no more skateboard. Or, or you're not gonna play organized sports or you're not gonna go to a friend's house. Just stay in your room until you're an adult. And, uh, you're on lockdown for the rest of your life, at least your life that you spend here at this house. And it's, it's for your own good because I don't want you to have any pain or suffering. You are now on lockdown. That's not, that's not freedom. That, my friends, is a dictatorship. And there's no love in a dictator-type relationship, only control. But God, who is a loving Heavenly Father, gave us freedom because he loves us and because he wants us to willingly and freely choose to love him back. That's what he's hoping for. And might I remind you, the world was perfect in the beginning, sin messed everything up. We have freedom. And even though you might use your freedom to make all of the right choices, not that anybody in church is perfect today, but let's just say you get up every day and you prayerfully think through your day and you make hard choices based on God's word to do what it is that he's asking you to do. You're following Jesus the absolute best that you possibly can. Even though you might be doing all of the right things, you still live in a messed up place. And other people use their freedom to sin to do things they shouldn't do. So you or someone that you love may suffer because of somebody else's choices and also because you just have an address on the earth. Jesus once upon a time said, if you got an address on the earth, you will have trouble. When you live here, like we're all living here right now, you're gonna have some trouble and maybe you're thinking right now, well, I don't claim that verse. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm claiming, I'm claiming the good verses. I don't like that one. I'm, those are the words of Jesus, by the way. It's not a choice whether or not we're going to claim them. It's just the truth right here. And maybe you think, well, I don't, I don't necessarily like that. But I will tell you something about the Bible. God tells us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And if somebody today is thinking the Bible's all like puppy dogs and rainbows and butterflies, and it's all good, all good, all good. <laughs> huh? Uh, I included what I'm about to share with you on the uh, digital listening guide, just to show you that God is really honest in his word, because in the Bible, sometimes the good brother is killed by the bad, Genesis 4. Sometimes famines occur several places in the Bible, but here's one, Genesis 41. Sometimes a beloved wife like Rachel dies in childbirth, Genesis 35. 
Sometimes nations are conquered by countries more evil than themselves, Daniel 1 and following. Sometimes livelihoods, families, and good health are destroyed by the enemy. That's Job chapter 1. A man that Jesus called the greatest man to ever live was unjustly murdered in prison by an evil woman. That's Matthew 11. Righteous men's truthful sermons are rejected by a culture that goes so far as to kill them. Acts chapter 7. Some prayers lifted up to spare the lives of Christians who are in difficult times. Some of those prayers are granted. Acts chapter 12. Some are not. Also, Acts chapter 12. God's intervention seems to us on this side of eternity sometimes arbitrary and random. But just let me tell you something. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. And he has promised us, even, even as Jesus has said, in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise that we can see is a reality. God has also promised that in the end, he wins. In the end, God wins. In the end, all will be made right again. You think about Job in the Old Testament. He lost everything except for his faith, and God turned things around for him. You got a, a Joseph also in the Old Testament. He was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers who hated his guts. He was lied about. He was thrown into prison. And for a long time, he went through this for a long, long time, and finally, God turned things around for him. And then you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and they were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace, and they told the king, King, you can throw, go ahead, throw us in there. We believe that our God will save us. And then it's almost like they could start to feel the heat, and they're, they're like, but <laughs> even if he doesn't save us, we believe he has a plan. And they threw those three guys into the fiery furnace. And when they looked in, uh, the observers of this execution saw four guys in the fire. And someone said, wait a minute, didn't we throw three guys in there? There's four guys in there and they're walking around and they're talking and one of them appears to be a son of the gods. Boy, they were so close, weren't they? With that description, because many now believe that that was a Old Testament appearance of Jesus who always goes with us when we go through the fire. In fact, if you're taking notes, number four, Jesus always goes with us. Oh, you're never gonna go through anything alone. He's always gonna go with you. Our savior was horribly treated when he was here. People ridiculed him, they yelled at him, they plotted against him, they tried to disrupt him when he was teaching folks. They tried to intimidate him. They tried multiple times to cancel him. Finally, they killed him after they had tortured him and spat upon him. And if anyone could understand what it's like to go through difficult times, it is Jesus. He knows what it's like to go through difficult times. He knows what it is like to suffer. That's why Hebrews says this about him. We don't have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He knows exactly what we're going through. It doesn't say he sympathizes with us as in, oh, I feel sorry for you. No, he's in it. He says, I feel sorry with you. I'm right beside you. I can feel this just like you're feeling it. That's our savior who goes with us. I read you John 16:33 part of it a minute ago. Let me read the rest of it. In this world, you will have trouble. That's the part a lot of people don't like, but it leads to this. But take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. His human enemies, 
the enemies of hell, all manner of evil and wickedness through everything that they possibly could at Jesus, trying to get him to, to back down, to give up, to give in. And he suffered and he died and then, and then he overcame. And if you're one of his followers today, his victory is your victory. He now gives you the power to overcome whatever this world throws at you. And he needs you to overcome. He needs you to be strong because, number five, Jesus wants us to be there for others. He wants you, he wants me to be there for others who are going through difficult times. As Christians, we have that call on our lives. I don't know if you know this, but there's something very powerful about being around other Christians, about presence, being in the presence of other Christians. And, and uh, I, I, if you remember back to when Jesus was about to be arrested, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, the sons of thunder. He says, come with me and sit right here. I'm gonna pray and you guys stay with me. Watch and pray with me and, and uh, uh, they fell asleep. We're not gonna talk about that today, um, but they kept falling asleep. But the deal was, you think about that, how amazing is that, that the Son of God wanted human friends around him. He didn't need them to say anything. It's probably better they didn't knowing those guys. But he wanted them to be there in that space where he was during his suffering. I noticed during the height of this pandemic, back at the beginning when they didn't really know much, not that they know a lot now, but back at the beginning when they didn't know uh, much and so everybody was very, very afraid. And there were <clears throat> a lot of restrictions about where we could go and things we could do. And I missed being around other Christians. I missed it. I'm gonna say it again, there's something powerful about being in the presence of other Christians. Would you agree with that? And I am not demeaning anybody who might be watching us online. I know you have your reasons and I'm gonna trust that those reasons are between you and God and valid reasons. But I'm just saying, there's something awesome about being together in the presence of other Christ followers. There's power there, there's strength there. That's maybe why Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, uh, both in the good times and the bad times. Be with people. He's saying, help each other. Do life together. Listen to me. Christians of all people take this very seriously. Um, that we're supposed to be along with other people when they're going through difficult times. We Christians do this to a great extent. And I say that because you Google search orphanages around the world, you're gonna find that the vast majority are Christians. The vast majority of orphanages are Christian or were started by Christians. Same with homeless shelters, same with feeding shelters. Uh, you go to the medical center, you drive through there, any, any medical center in this country, you're gonna see that most of the hospitals there were started by Christians or by churches. That's why we help people. Every hurricane, every freeze, hopefully there's only one of those, but every Christmas when people are struggling, we as a church family, want to, we want to stand beside them. When, this, when the pandemic hit and people had to stay home from school and, and stay home from work and everything, we did devotions every single day online, live devotions. Up to, we got up to 200 and some devotions that we did. And the reason that we did that is because God put on my heart, I don't want people 
to be alone through this. We're not supposed to struggle alone. But we Christians take this seriously. Why are we like that? Because this is what God has called us to, to ease the suffering of our fellow man while looking forward to something better. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. says, our light and momentary troubles, and by no way is he, by no means is he diminishing what anybody goes through, but he's trying to put it into perspective here because anything that happens on this earth is temporary because this earth is temporary. That's what he's saying here. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, because I'm gonna mix it up here. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. The most important things are things that we cannot see what God is doing in us and through us. Heaven is unseen at this point. And that's what we're looking forward to. We're, we're looking forward to heaven with Jesus. And so the best thing that could happen to us in the worst times here of suffering, the hope is, the best thing that could happen is that it refocuses our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't know if you know this, but someday God's gonna make all things new again. He's gonna right the wrongs. There will be judgment and some people, there, there will be punishment. We know that from scripture. There will be rewards for endurance and for faith. And I'm of course talking about the end of time and I'm talking about heaven. And John in the book of Revelation tries to describe heaven to us. And by the time he gets to chapter 21, it's almost like he's a little frustrated that he can't describe it with human words how awesome it's gonna be. So he kind of changes tact in chapter 21 by instead of telling us what heaven is like and what's in heaven, he starts telling us about what's not in heaven. This is verse four. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. It means there's gonna be no more tears. There will be no more death. There's gonna be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. I had a friend of mine, Kyle Eidelman, he's the pastor at uh, Southeast Church in Louisville, Kentucky, great church, but he keeps a no more list. A no more list of things that he sees on this earth and he jots them down, that keeps updating his list that aren't gonna be in heaven, things that'll be no more by the time we get to heaven. And I heard him read his list and I said, I am stealing your list, Kyle. And so I am, I have robbed his list, and I'm going to add to it today, okay, as we close out uh, today's sermon. Let's just start with John's list here. There'll be no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. In heaven, there will be no more cancer. No more divorce, no more rejection, no more loneliness, no more depression, no more wheelchairs, no more pacemakers, no more chemotherapy. Can I get an amen? amen. No more radiation. There'll be no more suicide bombers, no more school shootings, no more anxiety, no more anxiety medication, no more middle of the night phone calls. 
No more crosses along the side of the road. No more child abuse. No more rape. No more breakups. No more flu. No more flu shots. No more COVID. No more COVID. No more vaccines. No more mandates. No more love handles. No more saddlebags. No more double chins. No more diets. No more acne, no more cavities, no more shaving or waxing. No more yelling or fighting, no more traffic, no more road rage, no more addiction, no more gossip, no more drama, no more aches and pains, no more taxes, no more bills, no more need for mechanics or doctors or dentists or lawyers, no more politicians. No more elections, no more funeral homes, no more orphanages, no more nursing homes, no more waiting rooms, no more pink slips, no more foreclosures, no more treatment centers, no more accidents, no more tiny caskets, no more ventilators, no more lockdowns, no more quarantines, no more face masks, no more social distancing, no more hand sanitizer. No more tears in hospital hallways. No more suffering. No more suffering. <laughs> Revelation tells us that the one who's seated on the throne will right the wrongs that have been done here. Justice will be served. And those who've made Jesus their Lord and Savior will be forgiven. No sins on their record, they will be welcomed into heaven as if they are God's son because they are walking in the heaven in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That, my friend, I hope is you, okay? So here we go. Heaven someday, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Heaven someday, and it's gonna be perfect. So check this out. It was perfect in the beginning. It'll be perfect in heaven, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So where are we? We're here in the middle where it's kind of tough going sometimes. That's where we are right now. But thank you, God. We have a savior who goes with us no matter what we go through. Thank you, God, that you have a plan. Thank you, God, that your plan is good. Thank you, God, that someday we get heaven. And thank you, God, that we have good people to journey with on this earth. Somebody say amen and then stand with me. Come on, stand up. All right, so if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted the price that he paid for you on the cross of Calvary, now is the chance to do that. And you need to do that. You need to do that. So that you can be at the party with us someday in heaven. And there will be prayer partners down at the front of the room. You can come and they will help you with that decision or they can pray for whatever prayer need you might have today. All right, let's bow. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the tough questions that make us think and make us dig. And I pray, God, that today your word has helped somebody who might be going through difficulty right now. And I pray that all of us would be willing. I know we're able. I pray that we would be willing to walk alongside somebody who is going through a difficult time and just give them a word or a note of encouragement so that they can make it. They can make it, Lord. 
And uh, I pray that you bless us, God, as we follow close to you, even though this life sometimes is difficult. Help us, Lord, to always focus on you. I pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, and all the people said. God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.